There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM Podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim.com. Lindsay Glickstein founded Starlicity, a talent management and publicity firm specializing in celebrity and influencer talent. She built a niche representing talent on reality programs such as The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Big Brother, The Amazing Race, and The Real Housewives. She's been an integral part of jumpstarting the careers of some of the most successful bloggers, influencers, and celebrities. She's a background working in talent representation, talent development, and production, casting, branding, digital and influencer marketing, and public relations. She brings in vast knowledge of experience in the business. She focuses on strategic partnerships in the beauty, fashion, fitness, wellness, lifestyle, family, and food sectors. She's also been featured in U.S. Weekly, New York Magazine, The Cut, Vice, and many more. She's produced television shows and pilots with NBC and Harpo Productions for The Oprah Winfrey Show. She gained valuable talent agency experience in Chicago and then at CESD, where she led the team in the print department in their New York office. Lindsay began her career in the entertainment industry in her hometown of Chicago after graduating from Michigan State University, but she currently resides in New York City. Welcome to the podcast, Lindsay. I'm so happy to have you on today. You are based in New York. We have really similar backgrounds we've learned about each other. Um, It's like we're living parallel lives. (laughs) So Tell me a little bit about, A, like how you're doing in New York, Um, and I'd love for everybody to learn a little bit about you, so tell us just a a brief intro on yourself. Great. Well, I'm very excited to be here, too, and chat with you, and like I said before, I'm really, I feel like we have such similar backgrounds, and um, I'm interested to hear your take on some things and just um, talk about a lot of what we are going through. Uh, Being in New York City is obviously very difficult right now. Um, we are all trying to kind of navigate this and help our clients, help ourselves. Um, I think it's very important with positive mental health right now, especially with ourselves and them being able to help our clients um, navigating through the time and telling them what they should and shouldn't be doing and how they should, you know, express how they're feeling and talking to their audience. And I think all of those are just so, so important right now. And it's most important to just be human and to realize what everyone is going through. And I think it's just such a difficult time. And I think it depends on where you're located. And it's just so interesting to me, and I'm sure it is to you as well, talking to clients who live in 
you know, let's say Dallas or someone who's in Omaha or someone who's in all these different places in comparison to New York, because they're like, everything is fine. One of my clients who lives in Portland is like, oh yeah, we're, you know, we're staying at home. We're doing all the things we're supposed to be doing. But I just hear where you're at is horrible and things are just crazy there. And I said, yeah, that's one word for it. It's definitely a wild, crazy time, but we're all, you know, doing the best that we can. And um, obviously I think staying positive is super important um, for yourself as well as for others around you. And I think that um, that's what's going to get everybody through. Yeah, absolutely. I do think that there's like a fine line between being positive and being, you know, just acknowledging, I guess, what's happening. I'll speak personally. I found that like, you know, today's Monday that we're recording this. So on a Monday, I don't know, I woke up, I felt really, you know, rejuvenated, I felt really inspired, and like, I am ready to hit the ground running. And that is certainly a day that I'm really looking for inspiration, positivity as much as possible. And other days, like, I just be honest, like, you're talking about feeling human, like, I felt down, like, I felt it's like, everything is so up in the air, this unknown. And then in those instances, I'm like, oh, I'm just seeking somebody who's like not preaching positivity necessarily in that moment. I'm I'm looking for somebody who is just like, oh, like, what do you need? Like, let's just like brainstorm. Like, what, like, how can I help you? How can you help me? Like, let's just strategize and get really tactical. So I feel like on different days, people need different things. And I can totally appreciate that. Because again, like you're saying, like, we're just, we're, in, we're being human right now. It really is a day-to-day thing. Um, I would love to ever, I was very excited to get you on the podcast today. I feel like you have um, a, a really incredible background. Um, and most excitedly, I feel like you've established such a great niche for yourself. Um, we've had people on the podcast before who um, are basically as niche as possible. Like we've had Lonnie Edwards on from the dog agency, for example, and I love Lonnie and I hope she's listening right now. Um, And, you know, I have so much respect for it. It's like, you you really hone in on something and you own it like that is your piece of the business um tell us a little bit about everybody listening sort of how you arrived at working with the type of talent you work with today okay well that is an interesting question because um i kind of developed this niche because when i was an agent in chicago Um, the agency allowed me to be extremely entrepreneurial and start my own division. And when I started the division there, it, I was an on-camera agent. So I was working with the commercial actors and the film actors and the television actors and, um, theater and all of that. And so while I was doing that, I also had this inkling and kind of this foresight to start a division that was posting, which was already obviously out there. Um, but it was more niche, as you're saying. And a lot of reality TV shows were very popular at the time and just kind of not starting up, but really getting their traction going. And so I started to see 
that people in Chicago, they were getting a lot of talent out of Chicago. And I'm sure if you're familiar, just through being at an agency, um, you know that there's a lot of talent that comes out of Chicago that's comedic and a lot of talent with specific expertise and a lot of models and a lot of, um, you know, film actors, commercial actors, etc. So with all of that, I developed a division that had all of these things. So basically, it was what influencers are now. And what it was, was it was people that were like fashion experts and, you know, home improvement and design experts, more of DIY. Um, I had entrepreneurs that were nightclub owners and restaurateurs. And I had fitness experts and I had chefs and I had all of these categories that are now considered influencers. So who knew back then that this would now be what is one of our biggest uh, trends in our business and what's taken over and what has built a business for myself. So, um, you know, definitely going through all of that made me kind of realize what people wanted, what people wanted to hear and what people wanted to see and what people on the other side wanted from a production side, because I was dealing a lot with TV at the time because there wasn't social media. So I'm really aging myself, but <laughs> that's OK. Uh, there wasn't social media. So we were kind of dealing with more so, of you know, an HGTV show who needed a host or a, you know, a host for a dating show, things like that. So with that is how I kind of developed what I have as far as that niche, because it was something that I always was interested in and felt like I had an eye for. And so way ahead of the curve, I started to be like, this is something that I know that I can build. And I built it for this agency. And it, um, they loved it because it was something they never even thought of or wanted to get into because nobody else, quite honestly, had any interest in the field whatsoever. <laughs> and it became a thing where a lot of actors thought, you know, oh, these reality talent, they're not talent. They don't have this skill that they've worked on and crafted. And um, they're making all this money because they're getting all these shows and show after show after show. And I just saw that, quite honestly, reality TV, it wasn't going anywhere. And so it hasn't gone anywhere now either. So I just, it's something that's a niche that I've built for myself, but also been able to expand upon. And I think that um, for everyone listening, anyone who watches reality TV, I'm your girl. (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't watch reality TV? If they're being honest, there's very, very few people that don't watch reality TV. The reality of it is that, you know, there's, there's a, a part a place in reality tv for everybody right there's so many different things it's not just the kardashians it's not just the bachelor but um those happen to be two of my faves (laughs) Um, (laughs) i love them too it's okay um and so you know talk to us a little bit about your roster we know that they're you know rooted in reality tv a lot of them either they got their like they got traction in reality. And I'm sure that from there, once you start working with them, they all probably have different goals for what to do after that initial 
stint on reality TV. Some of them I can imagine. It's like, I want to do more reality TV. I want my own reality show potentially. Um, some of them I'm sure are diving full, you know, fully into the influencer space. They're like, this is fantastic. I have a huge following based on the show that I was on. And I just want to maximize that as much as humanly possible. Um, but I'm sure they all differ. Some of them might want product. Who knows? So talk to us a little bit about what you hear from the talent that you represent about what their goals look like. Okay. So one of the most interesting things about working with reality talent is you have to realize and understand that there are people just like us who come off of a TV show and kind of have no idea where to start or what to do. And I think they have these big dreams and big ideas of what they should be doing. And sometimes you kind of have to reel that in and let people realize and understand what is realistic and what they should be focusing on because it's easy to have all these ideas based off of things that you enjoy doing or, you know, things that you want to build. And that's great. But to be in a hundred different places is not going to be what anybody wants to watch or see. So you have to figure out first what you want to do. And I don't think it's necessarily like you can just say right off the bat, yes, I want another show or yes, I want this because a lot of it takes building up to that point. Um, and as I've seen with talent that I would think would get their own show after it, or there could be a spinoff to something, it doesn't always just happen that way. So you have to find a way to A, make money and to monetize on it. And a lot of it happens to be monetizing on the quicker side, um, right off of the shows, just because you don't know how long it's going to last. And as we can see now, I mean, if you look at the current girls who just came off The Bachelor, you don't see them doing much right now. And that's just because of what's happening in the world. So I'm sure all of those girls who went on thought that they were going to be walking into these big paydays. And I find that super interesting to me, especially because I noticed when people that I rep and have repped over the years, I noticed just the difference in mindset. With they were on there for the right reasons, as they say on The Bachelor. They were on there to find love. And this just happened to be an added bonus of what they've taken away from it. Um, and I think there's a big difference between a show like The Bachelor and, you know, like I rep some Real Housewives. And they're a totally different niche. And with that show, I think we handle their careers entirely differently. And we look at every single thing that they're doing and we wait for opportunities and we make opportunities in the right way and don't just jump on everything that falls in their lap, which we don't do with anyone. I'm actually very specific with the kind of jobs that we take on. Um, I'm, I make sure that I talk to my talent a lot and I'm in constant contact with them. Um, and that's part of my business as a more boutique agency because I am able to have that correspondence with them and build the relationships and talk openly and honestly and have that communication as to what we should do, what we shouldn't do, and kind of go from there. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of them have turned into, you know, try to do blogging or try to become just an influencer. And I think that it depends on where their career takes them. And some people I say, don't do YouTubes, don't do blogs, don't do this, don't do that. And it depends totally on the person because I can usually tell their work ethic. And if I know that they're not going to sit there editing or get an editor to do their YouTubes, forget about it. It's not going to happen because it's so much work. And being a content creator 
first and foremost is what everybody is now. And as a content creator, you have to put in the work to create the ideas and implement them and record them and edit them. And sometimes it takes who knows how long. So it's kind of a matter of just going through the motions as far as figuring out what the talent need and what the talent want. And it's not always just listening to them, as I'm sure you know, say they walk in and they're like, this is what I want. This is what I should be doing. And you're like, hold on a minute. Let's dial this back. Let's, you know, give a bit more of a reality here. And then let's go after these projects that are the right projects for you. And I think with some of my clients, more of the licensing side is really taken on a really big, it's, it's blown up. Everybody wants their own line. And so now instead of just dealing with a lot more of like the TV side and, you know, the social media side and endorsements and all of that partnerships and campaigns, now we're dealing with, you know, working on people's entire brands where it's, not only just branding them as an influencer, branding them as a celebrity, we are actually building them, for example, a lifestyle brand or an activewear brand or a shoe line. You know, these are all things that, you know, obviously with the times we're given right now, um, we have been working so, so hard with a few of the clients to build. And we've been working with manufacturers and we've been working with people who are investing so much time and money in what they're doing with my clients. And a lot of it, because of what's happening overseas, has, you know, obviously slowed down and it has taken uh, a big turn. We thought that things were going to be launching at a certain date. And now we're realizing that's going to be pushed back and who knows when. Um, and we're still working on the opportunities. And I think it's important to continue to work and hope that things are going to pan out the way that we thought. But everything is changing so much, especially with retail as well, which I'm sure we're going to talk about more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I have so many follow up questions. So, you know, the last thing you were chatting about was the licensing piece. And I do find that really interesting. Not a lot of influencers have the opportunity to do that until they've reached a certain level, right? And you are working more, you're working with people who have the opportunity to do that because they have name recognition in most instances. Um, and so talk to us about that a little bit, the licensing piece. How does that work? How you know, if there, if you are an influencer uh, or a celebrity, and you're at the point that you can carry a product, what are what's the process look like? Okay, so I have actually partnered with someone out of LA who is somebody that I deeply respect and have had a long time trust built relationship with. And obviously, when you're partnering with people, it's very important to have that trust and loyalty, whether it be your client, whether it be someone on the other side. And so we have kind of built that over the years. And she was almost a mentor to me back when I was at the agencies in Chicago and has been very instrumental in pushing me to go off on my own when I did and said, you can do this. You know, you have the tools, just take the leap, you know? And so her and I, I uh, have built a strong bond and we decided that on. It can be dangerously easy to steal your identity during tax season because so much sensitive info was all together. Before we start the annual meeting of Sean's personal info, uh, has anyone seen social security number? Not me. Nope. Nuh-uh. Oh, no. He's been stolen. LifeLock by Norton makes it easy to help protect yourself. If you become a victim, we'll work to fix it. 
No one can monitor all transactions, but you can save up to 25% off your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. Identity theft protection starts here. There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Partnerships like this, like licensing deals and royalty based and larger scale opportunities. She was going to be involved and work with my clients and me. And so we have built a division that handles uh, a lot of licensing and royalty based. And so that is something that is obviously a lot of people have been doing for a while. And we didn't want to just jump into it because you have to be very strategic in how you handle those opportunities because everyone thinks that if you have a line, you're going to make money. So if you have your name on a label, you're making millions of dollars. Well, guess what? Newsflash, that's not the case. <laughs> Um, and so it's important to take each opportunity one by one and actually dissect every aspect of it because you have to know what's happening on the retailer side, on the manufacturer side. There are so many details that you learn go into these things that, you know, sometimes it kills a deal. Sometimes the deal changes drastically just because of what they're offering and how you're able to negotiate and make things happen. But First and foremost, you're trying to get the talent not to be taken advantage of. And in a lot of cases with things that are happening, you notice that the opportunities are more so for ego to get your name on something and not necessarily for the back end of how much you're going to make on it. And so we're really good about working together to talk to the talent and make them fully understand the opportunities that we have sought out or have. Uh, you know, brought to them and kind of talk about it as a team and figure out what we're going to do and how we're going to move forward. And uh, so far, we've been pretty good about the opportunities that we have and are just trying to work through them and see what's going to happen with the times right now because of delays and things like that. But um, I think that's pretty much the best advice. It's just not to jump on those opportunities because you want your name on something. Because and so and so, <laughs> what's the most like? What's the ideal situation from your perspective? Is it for like a straight up licensing deal where you're licensing your name and your likeness to somebody else's product, or is it creating your own? Okay, well, there's a bunch of different ways that you can do it. The other way is private labeling, and I'm sure you're familiar with that. And a lot of people will say, okay, I want a makeup line, but I can't get a manufacturer to invest in me to do this, or I can't get a big makeup line to collaborate with me, so I want a private label, which a lot of people do private label out there, and people don't know that that's what they're doing. But we, as industry insiders, do know that that's what's happening, and they're investing or getting investors. It depends on the person and how it works, but they're getting somebody on board and they're paying to have a line. And sometimes it works out to their benefit because they're making a lot of money on the back end because they've invested that money. But not everybody has that money up front to be able to do that. And so a lot of the opportunities, we are not necessarily private labeling because a lot of my clients don't want to invest, even if they have it. Um, 
they don't want to invest in it in that way because they and we've been lucky enough that we have people that want to come on board that want to take on that risk and they're willing based on the talent that they have in front of them that you know you've had countless in-person meetings where they've been able to actually connect with the talent and i think that there's many instances where i would say a brand isn't going to invest in you because they have to like you as a person and you have to be likable and you have to be easy to work with and i think it's the same thing from our side as well as the talent side um, and you get that i'm sure <laughs> uh, because it's a long process and it involves a lot of detail and it's a lot of teamwork from the sides of manufacturers and the people that you're working with on the other side, whether it be a whole team and marketing and this and that, or it's, you know, even just your team and talking to the talent. And so let's set expectations for someone listening because I hear you say it takes a long time and I've certainly experienced the same. What length of time should someone expect if they're, you know, going into having their own licensed product? Okay, we've been working on one that's potentially a year out, a year and a half at times. And you have to look at everything from publishing to manufacturing to when you look at the business of, let's say, clothing, you're looking so far out. People right now are not working on the upcoming summer season. The upcoming summer season has been done for over a year at this point. So people are always looking so far ahead. And that's why I think people are so trend focused on things like Fashion Week and following the trends that are upcoming because that's exactly what they are. They're trend forecasting for, you know, way ahead. And so let's dive a little bit deeper into your roster of clients. So, you know, I know that you're working with people on different reality shows. If you could make a generalization, I don't know, are there any shows that have yielded more successful clients for you? Or is it just the personality types? Talk to me about who's been really successful for you to work with. Okay, well, I would definitely say The Bachelor franchise has had the most longevity. And I think that people are successful. However, I do see a shift in what's happening with that show. And I'm not sure if it is going to continue because obviously the show is continuing because it has such high ratings. But I think that people are starting to notice as an audience that they're not as authentic and they're not there, quote unquote, as I say again, for the right reasons, as we all like to say. Um, and I think people are really starting to get smart and they know that everybody is pushing the same product. And I think that my most successful clients have been people that we have actually sat down and said, we're not just going to take on every opportunity that everyone else is doing and really seek out opportunities that are different so that when people look at my roster and see what I have built and see what I've done, they say, you know, your clients are not doing the same thing that everyone from their franchises are doing which is hard to say because there are certain people in the industry who just take on an entire roster, as I'm sure you are familiar, um, of bachelor clients. And they are trying to get them work, but they're also taking on one job that then they put all 50 of them from the last three seasons on. And so it's like, you know, it's it's just very different. And you have to handle each talent individually. And as I see it, it's important to take the time to do that. And it's important for each person to, you know, like, 
For example, Desiree Hartsock, uh, Desiree Siegfried now since she's married, but I rep her and have repped her since the beginning of my business. And she's somebody that has really transitioned her business a lot. So she has her bridal line, which I don't know if you're familiar with, but she has Desiree Hartsock Bridal. And originally that had started as a collaboration with somebody else, which was Maggie Sotero. And so she was working with someone who was big in the bridal space to kind of develop her niche and figure it out and figure out what worked, what didn't work. And then she went off on her own. And I think that sometimes it's important to do collaborations and other things so that you are knowing what your audience wants and what people in the bridal space want. And she's somebody who had, you know, people don't know. They think that she just had wanted to do bridal and one day decided I'm going to, you know, be a bridal dress designer. No. Before the show, she was actually working in a bridal boutique and she was working with uh, all kinds of people from size double zero all the way up to plus size. And this is something that she really wanted to work with the every woman. And she wanted to make sure that when she dresses people, she is not just doing size, you know, zero to 10. She wanted it to be for everyone. And so she has built herself a wonderful brand that she is working so hard and now just started an e-commerce shop. And she's been working tirelessly to make that happen. And luckily, it launched right in the middle of the quarantine and people need it now. And she's like, who knew this timing that I've been working so hard on would turn into this. So I'm just so proud of her for everything that she's built. And then on the flip side, she has, you know, her faith, which she's now become very faith based. Um, and this is a newer thing for her that she shared. She's always been faith based as a person, but now she's sharing it with her audience a lot more. Um, and then on top of it, she has, you know, a pet. She has a dog. She has a family. And so she has two young boys and she's married to Chris from Bachelor. So she obviously for Bachelorette. So she obviously has, you know, people who are following her for all of those things. And so it's really interesting to just see how people have taken different turns based off of their background, their experience, and then what happens off the show. And, you know, we've talked to a lot of people about her and doing bridal shows. And we've, you know, almost gotten involved in a bunch of different projects that didn't end up panning out to anything. And we've been trying and meeting with people and talking and people are very interested in her in that space. But the bridal shows have kind of taken a backseat to other programming. And so people will use her and utilize her if that's something that they decide to move forward with. But they're like, right now, people don't want to be watching these bridal shows. So we're not developing them. So there's different, you know, obviously, we've gotten her on TV in different ways. So since that, she's been on marriage boot camp, and she's done other opportunities that have kept her in the spotlight. Um, but she's primarily very focused on family, faith and her bridal gowns. So yeah, so that's somebody that I feel like has really transitioned um, from the show to be who she is. Um, another one is my real housewife, Stephanie Holman. Um, and I rep a couple of girls on the Dallas franchise. And Stephanie has really taken the time to not be somebody who's been pushing product from day one on the show. You know, you see people who have been on the show for years on all of the franchises and real housewives. And so we are really ready to leap. You know, we are ready to get out there. And what we've been working on for her is so exciting. And, 
We can't wait for it to launch. Who knows when that's happening? But um, we are just very excited for the time that we have taken and she has taken to really build that connection with her audience and be real and be authentic and not be out there pushing her own product from day one. I mean, we're already seasons in and it's going to be coming out, you know, later on. So, And I'm excited to see that that's how you've... um really set yourself apart because sure in the influencer space all it's already setting yourself apart to be working with a lot of reality tv stars but then there are other companies that are doing it um and i have noticed just consuming reality tv content and then inevitably following those people on social media that if it's like a you know a Thursday afternoon and I see one person posting for nameless product, I start scrolling through my feed and everybody is posting about the same product, and it just seems so inauthentic. And it's usually a certain caliber of product, and I don't know. There's there's certainly a stigma to it, which I find so interesting. Um, and I'd love to hear your opinion about this because I I feel like. Already being on reality TV, even today, when it's, I feel like it's more acceptable than ever, you know, to do a reality show. I don't think it has the same stigma that it used to, but you, I still feel like you're starting a little bit with like a target on your back. Maybe not a stigma, but people like might want to just say like, oh, you're just a reality TV star. And so, like for some of those people who just like feed into it and and essentially right they they get off of the show and then they start just pushing the same products that everybody else does um i basically i love to see that you're aligning yourself with talent who who look at the bigger picture um and when there are products that they're pushing it's because it just makes so much sense so i'd love to hear your opinion on um, just the the distinction between the two paths. Are there more paths that I'm not even thinking of? And um, you know, again, about this idea of longevity. And I guess the question being, um, do you know? Do you feel like you have a good sense when you are, you know, courting somebody to work with, whether or not there is longevity there? Or are you, or is it sort of a marriage of their ideas, your ideas, and you just, you know, will it into existence? How does that process work? Okay. Well, I thank you, by the way. I appreciate that. And I think that's something that I have worked really hard to make sure that I am doing just because I think it's really hard for a lot of people when they come off of a reality show, like I mentioned before, you know, they don't know what is happening and they just see money and opportunity. So they're like, okay, Fun is coming to me and they want me to promote their box. I have to tell you, I am a big fan of FabFitFun and so are my clients who work with them. I think that the box is highly curated and I think that the products that they put in there are well worth the money. And so I think that that is something that even if it is something that everyone is working with, if it's something you truly like and feel that is a benefit to everyone else in your audience, then by all means, if that's something that you enjoy, promote it. Because it's not all about the money, but it's also about what you genuinely and authentically like. So I think that with a lot of beauty products and things like that, it's also trial and error. You know, it's 
trying the products first and making sure you actually like them and you didn't break out. You know, if you're using, one of my clients said to me, and when she listens to this, because she told me she's going to, she'll laugh. But this tan company that wanted to, you know, have her promote this self-tanner, she said, Lindsay, I used it. And first of all, not only was I orange, but I was fully broken out. And I was like, you are not promoting that product. I'm like, please don't. Um, So we veered away from that opportunity. Um, And she's like, I've used hundreds of self-tanners and I've never broken out. And I said, well, you know, that's a key reason why you try the product because it's important for everything to be authentic. And audiences do see through it now. I mean, they see if you're just pushing product and you're doing it day after day after day and you don't have the time in between to actually be yourself and showcase any type of, because it's ads nonstop. And I hear this from a lot of my talent where they're like, I followed so-and-so and all they do is push products. And so I unfollowed them and I was like, that is exactly what someone will do to you if you start doing that. So we have to be a lot more selective with the opportunities that we take on. And I think that that is a big part of what everyone should be doing on the influencer side as well. And you have to really look at what your audience is going to resonate with. And I think as times are changing, we're noticing that as well with what's happening now and just kind of talking about what people need to be promoting and what people need to be talking about to their audience. And I love that you're giving them so much credit, which I think is is due and saying that, you know, they come off of a reality TV show and they don't necessarily know what direction to go in. They're bombarded by a lot of opportunities. And that's where your expertise comes in to be able to really focus them in and advise them of, you know, well, if you go in this direction, it'll yield to this. And if you go in that direction, it'll yield to that. So if they do, I mean, we're connected because a lot of these people are going the influencer route and inevitably, you know, they have a high following on social media. And so it would be a little silly to pass up all opportunities, right? And those tend to be the most lucrative opportunities. So a lot of them tend to go into the influencing route and they're going to either promote their own product or promote other people's products or a combination of both, right? So once they're doing that, is there, I, I have, I've personally witnessed where there's this hybrid of influencer slash reality TV personality that is sort of looked at differently when promoting product, um, when bloggers strictly brought There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99-cent any-size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full-apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Bloggers promote product. They're very rarely criticized by their audience because that's sort of become their job and people are very used to them just promoting products and 
putting sponsored content up, et cetera, et cetera. But I have seen that if there is like the tiniest little misstep from a reality TV star, a more traditional celebrity promoting product, like the comments go wild. And I feel like you have to be way more careful. Has that been your experience? First is my first question. So I do wrap people on all sides. So I also wrap a couple of the former Miss USA's, which I can talk about a very interesting side point with that. Because when I took them on, the first of all, I took on one, and then she kind of got me to have the second one. And then the second one brought in the third one. And a lot of my business is referral based. Um, and a lot of it is people who do come to me. I'm not out there trying to like coach other people's talent. And um, I'm really focused on people who want to be with me. Um, it's kind of, you know, again, it's like dating, you know, we've got to find that balance. And like you were asking before, you know, it's do I always know right away when I meet somebody? Um, I'm going to circle back to that because I didn't really fully answer your question, but I would like to because I think that that's very important. So basically, when I meet with someone, I usually have an instinct. And whether I listen to that instinct or not, I'm very instinctual in everything that I do. And usually my gut is right. And that is scary to me because sometimes I try to tell myself, no, take them on, take the chance. You've taken on people and taken a chance before and they've really been successful. So maybe just do it this time. Um, and I have done that. And there's been times where it didn't work out. And all of my instincts came to fruition where they were just absolute nightmares to deal with. Um, and they just didn't listen and they didn't want your feedback. And I want to work with people who trust me and believe in what I've built and believe in my experience. And I try to be extremely humble with all of it and not, you know, be out there and saying certain things about myself and about what I have done. And when I am in front of somebody, I do answer their questions in that way, but I'm not out there just like pitching myself. And I don't have a room of people who are clapping when you walk in the door just to, you know, get you excited and do all of the things. And while that's great for some people, other people want a more one-on-one um, -on -one connection um, and a smaller team of people that they can work with. And I think that it just kind of depends what it is that you're looking for on the other side, because sometimes bigger isn't always better. And I think that it just depends on your ultimate goals and also being very open to talking about your goals with me or whoever's representing you, <laughs> um, because that's important. If I don't know that you want to write a book, then how am I going to go out there and just pursue book opportunities for you if I have no idea that that's something that you're interested in? Same thing with building a line, you know? Um, if I don't know that you want your own line, that might be an avenue that I'm not necessarily going to pursue for you if you're not a person who showed any interest or when I brought it up, seems to have you know, any desire to put in all the work to do that. So I think it depends on each individual talent. And I think, you know, I'd like to defer to you to kind of hear what you have to say about your instincts. And when you do meet someone, <laughs> how you feel and how usually you're probably right. 
Are you turning the interview on me? <laughs> this is new. I like it. I appreciate it. Well, um, in my experience, and I, I, I believe this about women in general, I do think that we should listen to our instincts far more often than we do. That's one general sweeping statement that I'll say. Um, and yeah, personally, yes, usually I would say nine times out of 10, I have an instinctual feeling about someone. Um, I don't know if it's because I also tend to get a lot of referrals as well, but I tend to like a lot of the people that I, I meet. And I wonder if I should be more critical sometimes if I'm speaking honestly, because I'm like, oh, but I like her or him and like, I want to help him. And, you know, I, I want to do right by this person. Um, and sometimes I wonder if I should be a little bit more critical but the least often is when I'm just like, oh, that is not the type of person that is a good fit. Um, and those times I listen to my gut all the time. <laughs> um, and, you know, I guess if you represent talent long enough, you just sort of it's just red flags. Like you've yeah. worked with those types of people before. You've uh, it, you've just experienced all the things that are all the negative sides of representing talent. And I've said also before, I believe on this podcast too, that, you know, some of the best decisions that I've made in business are when I've fired, you know, clients of mine. I've never regretted when I've fired a client before and a client in our world being, in, you know, the talent. Yes. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I also feel that uh, a working relationship with a talent in some instances, has a certain length of time um, where it could be fantastic for like a year or two and then something sort of shifts and changes and it may not be the best fit anymore. Um, people's lives change. People's, you know, circles change. Um, but I agree with you as far as when I've had to release clients who, you know, I've there's been a few instances where I found out that they were trying to do their own deals and negotiate their own deals. And I've had to confront it and I've kind of given warnings and had talks with them. And I feel like I'm scolding a school child, but I'm just trying to get them to realize that if you don't need me or you don't feel like you need the help, then by all means, represent yourself, negotiate yourself. That is never the right thing to do. And we all know that from the other side. But if that's what you feel is a better option for you, and you don't want to pay someone a commission, then hey, by all means, have at it. And so there's been a couple instances where um, that has come into play where I was like, okay, go, you don't want to pay a commission, then go. Um, and aside from that, there have been other like more, you know, it's a lot of dealing with personalities and our job is managing all kinds of different personalities and kind of figuring out how to handle. I mean, at times we're a therapist and at times we're like a mother and we play all these different roles. And I think that's important. But one thing that I've learned is, you know, while we have these close relationships with our clients, it's also a business. And you know, people are your friends, but it ultimately, there's that saying, you know, it's show business. This is not, it's not about making friends. So you have to kind of draw that line by having, you know, these relationships with your clients, but also realizing that this is ultimately a business. And I think that's what will 
likely continue to set you apart because, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I was also talking to somebody just the other day who was telling me about hiring and she's like, I'm so tired of hiring, you know, a 22 year old who's just going to leave in like, you know, six months to a year once they find the next shiny new thing. And I really want to invest in people. Um, and, you know, that same 22 year old is probably going to be certainly lacks the the experience and, you know, the business prowess that um, you just inevitably gain over years of being in the business. And there is absolutely a distinction in my mind as well, which with, you know, how you your relationship with your clients, um, it's it's inevitably you're going to become friendly with clients that you have over the course of years. And I think that there's importance for that as well, of course, right? Um, but there does, I, I tend to agree with you. I've had clients who sort of have overstepped those bounds to a certain extent, like they really want you to just be in their lives more. And they really want to have like a true friendship with you. And it blurs lines. And it just makes things too messy. It's never it's never benefited anybody in my experience to have yeah. that. And I think it's important because a lot of the people that I do represent, I've had these relationships for years. And so like, for example, I rep Jeff Schroeder and Jordan Lloyd from Big Brother and Amazing Race. I repped Jeff when Jeff was a commercial actor in Chicago. And that was his side gig. Um, he was an advertising sales guy and I represented him there for commercials. And then he got on Big Brother and, um, you know, we reconnected and the relationship happened. And then I moved and I just then started repping both of them. And I repped Jeff and Jordan and I still rep them now. And this has been for years already. And so, you know, the longevity is great when you, and that obviously inevitably you do become friends because of that length of time. And because of all of, I mean, I've been on trips with them for work trips. Like we did Sundance a couple of years and I have been on, and I went out there for shoots and things like that. So, you know, when you're talking about like all of that, that's something a little bit different, but it's also more about just getting personal with like some newer clients and things like that, that maybe, you know, I would give that advice to a lot of people in the industry to kind of draw that line. Um, because I think in years past, maybe it was something that I didn't do as well as I would like to. And I think that um, I've really learned from those experiences. And I think that now um, I handle business very differently. And so and I and I love that you've acknowledged you're acknowledging that like over the years, you've just learned, you know, you've learned from experience, it's trial and error in your own career as businesswoman and having your own business. Um, I would ask you, how do you deal with the ebbs and flows of a talent's career? Because when you align with a with a talent, I'm sure maybe sometimes it's right after they've gotten off of a of a show, and so maybe they're at the peak, or idealistically they would peak later once you've worked with them, right? But you know they're definitely on a high, and then you know in some instances I'm sure it was just referrals, and and maybe they're at a low when they really need somebody in their um in their corner. So how do you sort of deal with the uh, the inevitable ebbs and flows of a talent's career? I think dealing with ebbs and flows. 
um, is just the nature of the business. And on our side, we realize that that is what's going to happen. And not everybody is just going to, you know, be on this continual upswing. And there is going to be some stagnant times or times where people are sitting there wondering what they need to do. And I think that the lulls in your career are the times that you really need to strategize. Um, like right now, for example, some people need to take a step back and really strategize what they need to be doing and really focus. And I think it's important because when there are those ebbs and not the flows, you're kind of sitting there and you're like, why are we not consistently on this upswing? And there's a way to do that. But there's, you know, and sometimes on our side, we sit there and we tell them, we say to the town, like, this is what you need to do. And it's frustrating to be sitting in our chair because we're like, we know that if you listen to all of the things that we're saying as, you know, the experts and people who have experience, and we know that you will be successful. But if you don't take the time, it's not all about us as a manager. I think it's very important that you do your homework on your side and you know as a talent and influencer what you need to be doing. And it's a matter of creating your content and, you know, doing your research in the industry, um, polling your audience, talking to your audience, staying connected with your audience. Those are so important in what you do as an influencer, that if you're not doing any of those things, then it does your following, whether how large it is, no matter how large and high your engagement is, it really doesn't matter if you're not being real and connecting with your audience. And I think that during this time and during the quarantine, I've really taken time to talk to clients about what they need to be doing, what they shouldn't be doing, staying connected with doing lives. And the only way I want you doing lives is if they are something that is going to give something back to the community. So for example, two of my Real Housewives, um, they, one of them had mental health struggles. And so I've said to her, your, a lot of your audience connects with you because of the struggles that you have had. And I said, and so I really want you to stay connected to them during this time. So if they need to talk or they want an ear, they have it in you and you are there for them because you have built that personal connection with them. So go on a live and talk about what you're feeling. Talk about what they're feeling. Let them ask you questions. Um, and go from there because I think it's just important right now for some foremost to stay connected. And we all are connecting with people, you know, that maybe we've never connected with before, you know, and I think it's great to do that during these times because there is a way to learn and to be on that upswing. If you figure out and you strategize ahead of time, what you're going to do and what you're going to do when we come out of this. So then you're roaring to go. And I think that that's the best advice that I can give to influencers. I love that. And people who are represented by you are so lucky to have you in their corner if they're here, especially because they're hearing advice like that. Because it is, it's inevitable that during quiet moments and quiet times in their careers that they're going to get a little anxious. And it's really important to have someone like you in their corner to just remind them that it's an opportunity, actually. It's not a bad thing. It's an opportunity to really dive in and take a closer look when, you know, during the holidays, you can't even keep your head above water to be able to breathe. And you wish you had those moments to really do a deep dive analysis of like, 
who is your audience? It's it's always changing. So, you know, are there any differences? The platforms are always changing. Am I utilizing the part, you know, every single um, part of each platform to its fullest extent? Is my business running as op- is my business as optimized as it should be right now? And those are during the quiet times, those are far and few between. And mm-hmm. so it is, it's such an opportunity to just do an analysis and any business all business all successful businesses do those things and i i think that it's so important to remember whether you're a solopreneur as an influencer or you're a solo or small businesspreneur as you know on the you know as a representative or a pr firm or whatever the size of your business treat it as if you are uh, you know, Macy's treated mm-hmm. as if you are the size of, you know, Walmart, fill in the blank of, you know, these huge corporations that they are successful because they, they do all of these things. And yeah. so I would love to hear from you. I know people listening would love to hear from you. You're a little bit about your decision to transition from working for other people to working for yourself. Um, and a little bit about just your business journey and and things you've learned along the way. Okay, so from being from my background of basically starting out, you know, and working in production and doing a ton on the TV side, and I kind of had done everything that I could do in Chicago when it came to TV. Um, I was working on shows at NBC and for Jerry Springer and for some of their pilots that came up, and then. Um, I was working freelancing at Harpo on some of their bigger shows when those would come through. And then I worked at a local uh, network where I was actually producing some of the bigger programming. And so, you know, a lot of these opportunities that I've had have just kind of made me realize the parts of the industry that I wanted to. Well, first of all, what my strengths were and also (laughs) what I can focus more on, because I actually started this business acting. And so I went to college originally auditioning at all the universities to do theater. And the funniest thing about me is, is that I love musical theater. And anyone who knows me knows how much I love to go to Broadway and all of the things. But I could not sing or carry a tune at all. So I couldn't do musical theater. And my interest level was not in the actual craft of like taking the Shakespeare classes and taking the Stanislavski method and all of these, you know, classes that you have to take. So I started out and I auditioned and I got in and I figured out where I wanted to go, which I went to Michigan State and I ended up changing my major to communications and PR because I realized that without being able to sing, I wasn't going to be doing musical theater. (laughs) And Um, I had to figure out what was the best avenue for me to take career-wise and follow a path. And I think my path is very untraditional um, in a sense of, uh, you know, I worked in production, then I worked in casting. I was casting for commercials and then some reality TV. And then I was at the agency world and the agency world happened because of casting. And all of these opportunities have kind of piggybacked off each other. Um, so once I was able to get in there, which takes a lot of pounding the pavement and trying to figure out how to make the opportunities and being in Chicago when I was there, it wasn't the easiest place to just break in. 
once you're in and you get that opportunity, you're in. But it takes a lot of hard work. And I always use the phrase, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. And I really strongly believe in that because I did get lucky with some of the opportunities that were presented of people that I met and networked and was able to get. But it only happened because of all the work that I had put in before that. And I was never handed anything and always have had to work and struggle and try to make it happen in the industry. And no one was ever just like, here's a job. I really had to prove myself in order to be able to get every single job that I've ever had. So um, after I started working in the agency world, I worked at one agency that I was doing everything. I was literally running, and you will appreciate this, because I was running kids, adults, on camera, voiceover, theater, um, commercials, etc. I was doing all of it. And there was a staff of people. However, they were doing print. They were doing like all these other things. So half the day I'd be spent in a voiceover booth when I would have to be working on like lists for everything else. So there would be, you know, five commercials that would be casting and I'd have to be working on that you know, after hours, because I couldn't do it when I was sitting in a studio recording. And so it was kind of at that point, figuring out what it was that I enjoyed. I realized voiceover was not my strength, nor what I enjoyed. Um, and I also realized the same thing with the print side. Um, and so I just realized how the industry has shifted, and it's moving with the times and shifting with it. And how I got to where I am is because after the agency world, I went back into casting and I built up all my contacts in the unscripted side currently at that time. Because as you know, there is so much turnover in the industry on the other side. And so I had lost a lot of the contacts that I had built up over the years that I had been working with. And so I really struggled to figure out how I was going to get back into it. But then I, Again, luck and opportunity. I was casting and I was working for a casting company that got an opportunity to cast for a show. And at the time it was for ABC Family. And ABC, as you know, and the audience may not know, there's an exclusivity involved with a lot of the um, networks. So you cannot do things unless it's with their network for a certain period of time. And with this, came the idea where this they needed to cast experts in all these different fields that were influencers at that time. And this was the beginning of when influencers and YouTubers were really starting to hit. And so I was talking to, you know, the biggest agents in that field. I was talking to talent directly. I was talking to managers and I was building up all of these relationships that then I could go and say, Look, my background is in representation. Yes, I'm doing casting right now, but that is not my end goal. My end goal is to go off, manage, be on my own. So since I've been working with you directly, I really like the content you're producing for us on, you know, for the auditions. And I've been talking to you nonstop and you've been delivering your tapes when you need to. You've been responsible. You've been doing all of the things that I would look for in a talent to represent. And that is how I started with some of my clients because they weren't represented or had had bad representation previously and taken some time off because they're like, 
we don't want to go through this again. And that is how I got them. And they signed with me. And that's how we started the journey. And I think that it's just a matter of how you position yourself and what you're doing doesn't have to be your end goal. So people out there who are listening who may not necessarily like what they're doing right now, take every bit of what you're doing and get any experience out of it. And it will 100% definitively benefit you in the future because I have taken a part of every job that I have ever had, good and bad, and I use it in what I do now. What can people listening take from all those great things that you just said? Hustle as much as possible. Like hard work will just inevitably get you further. Um, being able to, you know, to learn, just to continuously soak up like a sponge everything that's being done around you and to like roll up your sleeves and really get into the thick of it. So why don't you tell us also a little bit about your PR background? So working at the agencies in Chicago, uh, a lot of the clients that I was representing were starting to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So for example, some of the clients that I represented ended up being in reality shows, but they're also on some of the biggest shows out there now. Um, I represented at the agency I was at in Chicago, Chris Sullivan from This Is Us, who plays Toby, and Stephen Yun from The Walking Dead, and some of these other clients. So anyways, big talent was coming out of Chicago, as we talked about earlier, and they didn't have publicists necessarily. So a lot of the reality clients specifically um, needed somebody to help them with PR, but they didn't, they weren't going to pay for a PR retainer. So in house, I kind of took that on and built the relationships with media and press to be able to do this and have those contacts now that I am able to pull and know how to write a press release and how to contact media if we need to talk about something or get a message out there. And I think that's a really important part of my background because that gives me the 360 of what a lot of people in the industry maybe don't have. So that is an added service to what I do. And so I don't necessarily take on people just for PR. Um, that is an added service to the management that I offer just because it's something that I have the background, I have these relationships, and I think it's beneficial to the talent because I know how to navigate a lot of the situations they're going through, especially because you asked earlier about what happens after they get off shows. Sometimes things go completely awry. And I've been in situations where people were supposed to have a show after it and they got pulled and they'd already started shooting and I had to come right in there and get that PR going and strategize how to get it out there and get their message out there because nobody else is going to allow them to have a voice. So that is something that I feel like I offer that is a benefit to the town. We ask this of everybody who comes on the show and I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say. What would you have told your younger self that would have given you a professional or a personal advantage today? Well, one of the things that I definitely think that I would tell my younger self is that you don't have to fall into what society wants you to be working a nine to five job at a corporate company and just kind of punching a clock, you know? There are opportunities out there to be an entrepreneur and to do these things, but you have to put in the work, like we said, and you really have to realize that not everything is going to be positive and you're going to have experiences that are really going to knock you down and make you who you are. And coming out of it, you're going to realize that you can do it. 
and you can be successful, but it just is going to take a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a lot of years. And you may have to make personal sacrifices for that. And that's something that not everybody realizes or is willing to do. And I think there's that like work-life balance too. Um, but you know, with me, I had taken the leap to move to New York and I had taken on this opportunity and I am so grateful for every opportunity that I've had. And whether they've been negative or positive, you know, I look at everything as, you know, I'm in New York and I'm in the city of opportunity and I have been able to do all of these things and meet so many great people. And I think everything is also about your relationships. And I think that, you know, obviously being nice to people, like we said, and being kind in a sense of how you work with people, whether it's the talent or on the client side, I think that's really important. So I would just tell myself to just hang in there and, you know, do as many opportunities as you can. And I think that all of that is what I would say. I do yeah. actually have something I want to circle back to, too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Go for it. So I had advised my clients so long ago before people were doing TikTok to get on the TikTok platform because... I knew industry people who were working at the company or interviewing at the company who said to me, Lindsay, this is the next big thing. You've got to get all of your clients on it and you've got to be ahead of that curve and you've got to do this. So I told them all and nobody wanted to be on there. And they said, that's for teenagers. That's for children. And I said, I'm telling you, this is the next platform to blow up and you need to be on there. Well, sure enough, guess what? Every single one of them is on it. From what I am noticing, it is such a trend, things that people didn't care about necessarily before. And now they're utilizing platforms like TikTok and Instagram and um, IGTV to be able to learn things like recipes, workouts, makeup routines, all of the things that maybe people like would watch but didn't have as many eyes on because engagement is so high right now that everyone's watching you. So if you have a niche that you want to get into, now is your chance. And we've been so data and analytics focused um, with what's happening right now. And I've been, you know, talking to talent and looking at things that I've read and listening to podcasts and things like that to try to figure out what is happening in the industry. And it seems like we're all on the same page. We're all noticing the same trends, which is refreshing because I love to hear that everybody's noticing that the engagement's going up, that Instagram is still the top platform, but TikTok is just right behind. People are now really blowing up on TikTok that maybe no one would have ever thought would be a TikTok celebrity. Um, but it is interesting to see how the trends are moving and nobody's caring about what you're wearing unless it's an athleisure, you know, and and why do you, I mean, I certainly have opinions about why TikTok has blown up, but it seems like you really predicted this even before it did. So what about TikTok did you think would make it the next big platform? Well, I think that the fact that everything is like quick, people don't have a very long attention span, as we know. And so as it's been said, people really want everything to be fast and easy. And I think People like that people are putting humor into it. I think people are liking the creativity of the content creation. I think it's a totally different type. And it's interesting to see how people are utilizing TikTok to then put that content up on Instagram, whether it's on their stories 
or whether it's on their feeds. And it's funny to hear my clients who are doing TikTok and hear their opinions of what is happening in the industry with that because they're like, why is everyone posting it on their feed? I'm like, so are you. <laughs> so, um, I'm like, because you're working really hard to create this content. And honestly, I think TikTok is really difficult. I also think it's really showcasing personalities and it's letting people be a persona or a personality. I think it's really important for you to do something that gives back, whether it be donating, whether it be, um, you know, in your content, whether it be just doing something that will help the positive, like I said, because I'm not positive every day. I can tell you that right now, but I'm doing my best to try to at least take time to do some of these things so that it does give me that avenue to be like, okay, I enjoyed watching that. So in between watching my favorite shows, I can then, you know, watch something on Instagram because I've never been on Instagram more than now and I'm on it nonstop. Between that and TikTok and all the other platforms, there's so much good content out there right now. And like, absolutely, yeah. engagement is up and there's so much opportunity right now. It is a different time. And, you know, to just make sure to take advantage of it as much as possible. So if you're an influencer, like just trying new content, perhaps, um, you know, really engaging with other, other people's content to really try new things as a brand to try new things. It's, you know, brands are, you know, inevitably our economy is going to come back around and people are going to need to sell product and make money again, get people right. back to work. And so let's not forget from the brand side where, you know, inevitably the funnel of funds comes directly from the brands. Um, I'm looking forward to brands really um, taking more risks and exploring more on TikTok and even on whatever platform it is, just giving the influencers more creative control. Because especially during the last few weeks, they're really learning a lot about their audience. They're gaining new audiences and the world. Like, I feel like it's, it's a way to tune in to everybody's heightened sensitivity right now. Um, it's, 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 it could be something that could be a negative, but like, let's turn everything potentially negative into a positive, right? And everybody has their little extra sensitive right now. So let's really ask people like, what would make you happy? What would, yeah. you know, entertain you right now? What would, what will make you tune in? So I can give that to you back to what you said, how uplifting it is to be able to give a little bit more. And I think it's important right now, um, to align with companies that are, you have to be mindful and mindful of your audience and what's going on. And I think that um, the opportunities that we've had during this time of the only posts that we will, you know, partnerships that we decide to take on are posting about things like, you know, that will benefit. For example, we did a food delivery and my client was able to actually utilize TikTok and Instagram because she wanted to see how something would perform um, as a sponsored TikTok, but being mindful of everything going on. So she got super creative and created a persona, which she is, of this mom who doesn't get a minute to herself. And she had her kids in the background kind of like tied up and was able to have her like quote unquote date night without her husband eating this food. And it was it went viral and people loved it and we're so excited. So I think it's just a matter of just playing into what people want to see. And it's again, like everything else, a trial and error. 
Absolutely. And every day is different. Um, And I think that it's been really refreshing to just continue to cultivate those communities, those micro communities, those macro communities as much as possible. I know that everybody is going to want to join your community and get in touch with you. Um, What's the best way for them to reach out? So they can follow me on Instagram and my Instagram is starlicity, P-R-N-Y. Um, and then on my website is starlicity.com. Thank you so, so much for being on today. It was such a pleasure. Everyone reach out to her. She's fantastic. And that does it for today. Thank you everyone so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We love comments. So comment on this podcast and we may shout you out on our next episode. Join us next time. And thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Tune in next week. Charles didn't have just any coronary artery disease. He had Charles's coronary artery disease. Michelle didn't have just any heart attack. She had Michelle's heart attack. At VCU Health Poly Heart Center, we know every heart is unique. And as Virginia's only nationally ranked heart program, we'll keep them beating healthy and strong. VCU Health Poly Heart Center. Learn more at vcuhealth.org slash heart.